You're listening to This Week in E-Commerce, the Ecom Nation podcast. Dive into the top online retail headlines with your hosts, Paul Waddy and Mal Chia. Let's load up the cart. Welcome to episode 21, our first episode for 2024. Paul, happy new year. Happy new year, Mal. Um, where are you at the moment? It's <laughs> sitting directly opposite you in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, the um, wonders of modern technology. We're um, on two separate devices in the same room. Well, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get our own studio soon, which may not be far off, I believe. Well, yeah, I think so. And, and how was how was how was your New Year's? Uh, good, it's quiet. You know, um, having the three little kids, we just spent some time. Um, it's New Year's Eve. I didn't I didn't make the twelve o'clock fireworks, um, but we had a good time with friends and spent a few few days at home, just enjoying uh, enjoying the pool and the on and off weather and watching a bit of cricket. Um, how was yours? It was good, roughly the same. Um, with with multiple children, it was barely made it to New Year's Eve, uh, so to midnight, um, but did make it, um, and then probably crashed at about one thirty two o'clock. Did not get a sleep in though. The kids woke me up at about seven a.m. still. So, <laughs> oh, that's a good effort. Well done. Yeah. So it's been a big week. The big. Actually, so we're now into the second week of uh, of January, um, and the the news doesn't stop coming. Um, it's, it's been an interesting old time. I think with a, a few different retail publications saying that Boxing Day sales were much softer than they expected, um, which I was not surprised about at all. And I believe you and I have talked about it before. Um, saw some recent reports lately that um, that November's new December, which it's like we've been saying this for years. I don't know why why people are just figuring that out. Uh. I think I said that on ABC in 2017. <laughs> yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, that's good. I think um, November was a big month, obviously, for a lot of people, but largely just driven by um, people being, being, being a bit more aware of uh, or looking for better deals. I don't necessarily think it means anything more than that. Um, the year was still pretty tough. I think we've, we've discussed that several times, but looking forward to 2024 and, the, um, the first one, Mal, is a really interesting one, kind of reflective of um, how tough things have been uh, in that CNN business reporting that free returns are going away. Yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was very surprised and pleased to see that. Um, they were reporting that big brands like Macy's, Abercrombie, J. Crew, and H&M, H&M have recently started introducing um, return fees. So if you want to mail in your returns, you have to pay a shipping fee, uh, which I'm not completely against now we've talked about this before that one of the big challenges we face in e-commerce is, is obviously the cost of, of increasing returns particularly when there's so many brands out there like even australian versions like the iconic for instance who who really pioneered that free shipping um model to to increase your 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 aov um and and increase your conversion rate um now realizing that in tougher economic conditions they can't afford to keep doing that as well that there is a significant financial cost to that um yeah look, I, I think it's a good thing i think like ultimately for the for the sector it's great that we kind of wean people off these little subsidies we were effectively giving them to, to buy uh, and train people how to buy under normal conditions so that we can actually have like a healthier um economic model to how online businesses run yeah, I absolutely agree. And looking at the article, it's um, 2007, um, sorry, in 2019, returns were 8% roughly across 
all things that people bought in the US. Uh, and that's up to 17% in 2022. So that's more than double the return rate. And it, it rightly talks about the cost of freight, um, which has gone up since then, but also restocking. Really good point about a lot of companies having to mark them down if they've been used or worn and a lot ending up in landfill. So um, I think it's good for everybody if we decrease um, or de-incentivize returns, one, because um, particularly the, land, the landfill issue isn't great. Um, and I think too many brands have uh, kind of got grass as greener syndrome and just offering free returns, refunds, everything, because that's what they think is the norm. Um, and rightly or wrongly, we know that's not necessarily true. We famously White Fox um, copped a bit of heat on that recently. That's a good example that you don't have to refund. You don't have to pay for returns. You've got to do what's right for you. And if you're starting with low margins, like let's say margins 50%, uh, gross profit margins 50% or a little bit lower, you probably can't afford to um, offer free everything. So yeah, I, I personally don't have a problem with um, brands recouping the cost of returns. I think it's a good thing, um, you know, and and I'm glad that there's a lot of brands who we know who've already started doing that already. I realise that one of my uh, one of one of the brands I work with, Sportitude, who do footwear, have been doing um, like you have to pay for your own returns. They've had to do that for for, for a while, and they still have a, a relatively low return rate of like five percent for footwear, which is quite remarkable. And I think the uh, yeah the onus becomes on like the brands to actually like how do you ensure that people are ordering the right thing the first time yeah and that could be things like whether you are you know making sure you've got the right size charts um you've got some sort of concierge service you're you're offering more things there to allow people to help them to um, choose the right product at the right size the very first time and minimize that return in the first place yeah, I, I agree. Um, a, a long time ago, I ran a trial with Australia Post where we got $30,000 to, uh, to subsidize the cost of returns to see what impact it would have on repeat customers or conversion. And the result was nil. It had no impact at all. Yeah, that's, that, that's phenomenal. That's great. I think more, more people need to look at that. So look smarter ways to increase your conversion rate and your basket size without necessarily needing to offer free this, free that, everything else. Yeah, uh, other way, other ways to to show your value. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'd love to see more. Um, hopefully, that should be one of our predictions for twenty twenty four. That more brands actually start charging for returns. Let's not do that webinar again, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our second story we're going to talk about is TikTok. Um, so in the last twelve months, so TikTok have really been pushing into the online commerce space. So in particular with TikTok Shop, um, which actually saw quite a lot of growth last year in the US. Um, however, they basically rate the call at the start of the year that they were going to be increasing their commission they were taking from sellers. So it's now going to go from 2% to 6%, uh, which is pretty significant. Also, when you, when you consider the fact that um, they were also subsidizing a lot of retailers who were selling on TikTok. So what they're saying in this article is that a lot of the growth they experienced in the last 12 months, particularly over the Black Friday period, was because they were getting sellers to like, sell at a much higher discount than what they were, what they were expecting to, but they were too So now they're taking the stock, 
What do you think this is? Do you think that this is about e-commerce or like online commerce for, for social marketing for, for TikTok? Or do you think this is more just like a, a reset that we're saying trying to build a business properly rather than choosing up the subsidies? Yeah, this is, this is interesting. Um, and um, I, I, I saw reading the comments on this article. So, um, yeah, 2% two, two to 6% is obviously a, a huge hike. Um, the first comment that I read here is from someone called Dark Owl. He says that there's a typical practice, start a service with outrageously low fees, undercut the competition, bleed them out, and then jack the prices up. So I guess that's that's probably what's happening is attract people to low price and then put the services up. We, we've um, Whether the fee's fair or not, I, I don't know, 6%. Like, um, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it to see if you're like, is there a merchant fee on top of that? Or are they processing the payment? If it's a commission like a marketplace, then it's cheap. Um, I, what, what does it drive in incremental value? I don't know. So I, ca I can't really comment because I haven't tried it. Um, but in terms, we've spoken before about um, TikTok in 2024 is going to change, um, not just from a point of being regulated more, but I think e-commerce brands, I know uh, talking to brands, they're like, we know we've got to use TikTok more. We're not quite sure how. Um, but we know that, you know, I think you made the point recently that TikTok's viewed more than all the streaming services combined. Um, so it's like, I, I don't quite know how to use it yet, even personally, but I know that I've got to start and I know that brands have got to start. Um, I guess, um, yeah, I, one comment here is, is also uh, saying that TikTok now feels like I'm browsing Amazon in video form. Uh, so, so that's kind of like, that's a shame. But, you know, if you remember like back in Facebook days, Facebook used to be good and then you could even, you could even like reach new clients. It was cheap and you get great return and then it became pay to play and it just pivoted to like a family and friends network or a community network. And then Instagram became the new thing and now that's going up in, in, in terms of price. So it's like, I, I guess we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be surprised is that social media platforms typically start out with little growth hacking opportunities and then they just monetize it and then we're all screwed and it's just back to the, the big end of town and the smaller brands have to pivot and find new ways to do things. So I don't know if the fee's expensive or not. Um, it's interesting to know that they are obviously just seeking to monetize us. They lost $500 million or something like that last year. So I can't blame them for trying to monetize the platform. It'll be interesting to see how brands start to use it. Absolutely. Well, I think you're coming from Uber, for instance, where where we grow the whole business on subsidies in terms of rider subsidies and driver subsidies. It feels like the same thing, particularly when you are venture backed and you had that growth at all costs well, mentality, which is what a lot of those brands, for instance, Amazon did that. And now they're behaving like that. They don't need to subsidize as much anymore. You can't really rely on that sort of part of the growth. You, know, you have to need to properly establish it. You know, you have to have a solid which doesn't need to rely on subsidies in the north to continue to grow attractive prices. And I'm like, it's just the P is well. 2% to 6%, it sounds pretty good. But still, percentage of the quote line. Yeah, it is. And it, uh, and it always it comes back to what we always talk about is, that, is there incrementality there or are you just selling to your existing? Uh, customers are uh, already and I, I genuinely don't know um but yeah i think six six percent would be fair if you're acquiring a whole bunch of new customers and you're not spending 20 percent on ads but if you're selling to the same um same group of people anyway then it's just six percent on top of things again which just hurt margins
Yeah, I think in some ways it is good in terms of just getting people comfortable with transacting on the platform. Because ultimately, like with anything, whether Amazon got people comfortable buying books online by offering them at such a cheap price, so they were willing to sacrifice their margin in order to get people comfortable with buying on this new technology, which was the World Wide Web. Whether TikTok now try to accelerate the same by getting people to buy more, getting people to be more comfortable buying on the platform, um, I think it's a good strategy if you've got cheap capital, but if you don't have cheap capital, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, in, yeah, interesting. Um, taking my earphones out so I can listen to you in real in real life. But yeah, that's interesting. I like that about getting people used to selling on the platform. And I, kind of that's the point I'm, I'm sort of making is like um, a lot of brands, particularly in Australia, we're a little bit slower to adopt things. I don't know many brands who are selling on TikTok, let alone advertising on TikTok. So um, I think yeah, TikTok in general is a watch this space in 2024. Although I'm, I'm expecting social shopping to grow quite a lot this year. Um, so one story which we're going to finish on today is one which has got to impact the majority of online retailers out there, which is Google spam policy. Now, what this means is that domains which are sending um, more than 5,000 emails a day um, will now be subject to much stricter spam rules. So in a nutshell, the two which really concern me are the fact that if you have a high unsubscriber rate, your domain will be marked as a spam domain, and then all your emails which you're sending will end up in, a, in spam. And then, uh, so, so that's, that's one of the major ones there. Uh, so I think it, there's a lot there which, as email marketers, we're going to need to be much more, we're going to be much smarter in terms of what we're sending. Um, so in terms of making sure we're doing segmentation better, you know, in terms of making sure that we're, we're, we're actually getting a higher open rate, and just pretend to be more critical and following better practice. Yeah, so let's recap. So Mal, this is going to affect brands that are only sending more than 5,000 emails daily? Yes. I guess uh, you sort of think, oh, that's that's a lot, but not really when you start to factor in big brands with flows and automations and so on, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and so what do brands need to do really to um, to protect themselves against this? Well, my view is that they really need to be looking at segmentation and also really looking at um, how relevant the emails actually are. So rather than just sending a batch and blast email to your database, really focusing on narrowing down those segments and, and making sure that the content you're putting up from them is actually relevant. Um, reaching out to them at relevant moments with content which is actually going to be meaningful to them, which they're going to want to open, rather than bombarding their inbox where eventually they just sick of it and put in spam. Then the other change that's happening as well is also a requirement for one-click unsubscribe, which means that the old days of having a preference center where you click the unsubscribe button, it sends people to your link, are you sure you want to unsubscribe? Or which newsletter do you want to unsubscribe across? You can't do that anymore. If you don't offer one click unsubscribe, your 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 domain will be back with spam. Okay, so essentially what we've got to do is um, have a low unsubscribe rate, which is everything you just spoke about, um, not batch blasting and, and sending to um, engaged audiences. Uh, not sending too frequently, not the high quality of email. Uh, don't send more than 5,000 a day if you can avoid it, um, which is pretty sound. I imagine Clavio and so on are pretty well across this already, right? You'd hope so. 
Look, I, I think Clavio has been pretty proactive. They've sent a few emails to sort of advising people about what they need to do and changes in how they're going to be handling unsubscribes on their side of the world. So I think it's really good. Uh, but at the same time, retailers need to be aware of these changes as well. So we can't just kind of blindly go just, just not stick it there, particularly if you are going to get that $5,000 email that threshold. On a slightly side note, what, what do you think about, um, particularly around Cyber Week and so on, when brands want to uh, d- dip into that temptation of batch blast or sending to the entire database and kind of moving away from um, the highly engaged? Uh, I think you probably need to really rethink that. And uh, I know a number of brands who were sending 5,000 plus emails per day over the, over the, over the cyber period. Uh, they're going to need to really rethink that strategy. Uh, and make sure that they are narrowing it down significantly in terms of making sure that they are very selected about who they are sending it But also diversifying all the different channels that reach their customers Like not just relying on email, like we've talked about before, movies, SMS, push notifications, uh, but also a brand app as well, which kind of like removes a lot of that, where you have people who just put a push notification from them via the app, yeah, which yeah, kind of bypasses um, a lot of those restrictions. Yeah, cool. Um, good tips. Mal, uh, app is a good one, actually. I love, love that. I know you're talking a lot about that for um, 2024. Um, Mal, anything else happen this week? Uh, the, off the top of it, uh, hopefully we do get an interest rate rise, interest rate cut, I should say, um, in the next uh, in the next few weeks. So hopefully it's some good news to look out for there. Uh, otherwise, uh, we're kind of right back in the swing of things with 2024. Uh, and, uh, and the retail calendar, we're going to have a we're going to have a webinar coming up very soon, um, and more events coming up as well. So I think I'm, I'll be speaking at Etal in February. In uh, if, if you're not signed up to join, go there already. It's going to it's probably one of the first big conferences of the year. Um, so head along there. It's a great agenda, as it always is. Um, what about you, Paul? Anything which you're looking at? Not really. Just. Um yeah, settling back into into things. You and I are talking about strategy today, which is fun, and brands should be thinking about their 2024 strategies if they haven't already done so. Um, no, I'm feeling good, feeling good about 2024 and what it would bring. And a uh, reminder, if you, if you didn't see our webinars prediction, that you can go to ecomnation.com.au and check it out where we predict kind of some things to focus on for 2024. Mal's mentioned a couple. TikTok, super interesting. Uh, I'm really interested about apps. And doing more with apps this year uh, for all the reasons Mal just said about diversifying channels, SMS, and so on. But uh, no, just just more of the same Mal, and looking forward to having a um, a good, prosperous year. Fantastic! Um, thanks for listening, everyone, and welcome back to the new year. We'll see you soon. Cheap, meat, meat, meat.